guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome to my new streaming show, Common Ground. Thanks for joining me. We are here in our beautiful downtown Red Bank studios. Thanks to our good friends at Epic Financial. We've got a great, great show for you today. We're tackling one of the most important issues facing New Jersey, honestly facing the country. But in New Jersey, it's a particularly big issue because of the incompetent and corrupt government that is currently in charge in Trenton. Crime. Crime is up. Crime is up in a number of measures in places that it should have never been up. And part of the problem with crime, I mean, we're going to tick off a few things on the list today of why we have a crime problem in New Jersey. And I'll go back several years when Governor Murphy and his left-wing ideologues, the cabal that runs the state house in Trenton, decided they were going to reject federal detainer orders. Let me, let me tell you what that is. A detainer order is a federal judge issuing an order to detain someone who is in the country illegally because they are accused of a serious crime. The Murphy administration refuses to cooperate with federal judges when they issue these detainer orders. And as a result, there are suspected violent criminals walking among us who are not legal. And it would have been very simple to team up with, with ICE and Homeland Security and others to make this happen. The Murphy administration refused. That, that's number one. The second thing that happened is that the Murphy administration over the past year and a half has released thousands of criminals before they completed their sentences. So you're talking about a convicted criminal who was sentenced by a jury or a judge to serve a certain amount of time in prison in New Jersey, released because of COVID. Absolutely outrageous. That means perps are put back into your community. And then Attorney General Platkin and the governor scratch their head and say, wow, how is car thefts, why is that up 22%? Why are we seeing a spike in domestic violence calls across the state? Oh, I don't know, guys, I can't figure that out. Come on. The third thing, and this is perhaps the most egregious because it's something that is easily solved but has a, has a, a political bent to it that we've got to address today, and I'm gonna have a very special guest on to talk about this. It is the Bail Reform and Speedy Trial Act that passed years ago. But here's the problem with bail reform. Everybody said, look, we need to have bail reform because you've got sometimes a perpetrator who commits a small crime, cannot come up with a couple hundred bucks, and ends up staying in jail a lot longer than they should have. I totally get that. And a lot of folks came up, you know, the, 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 the Black Caucus in particular in our state legislature saying, look, this is disproportionately impacting young people of color. I get it, okay. So we wanna be fair to everybody. Just because you can't come up with a couple hundred bucks doesn't mean you ought to sit in jail indefinitely. Totally understood. Here's the problem, here's the problem. The way they've set the point system in order to keep potential violent offenders incarcerated doesn't add up, and let me tell you why. Because I've talked to the cops up and down and the prosecutors up and down this state, and the challenge is that you have people who are committing acts of violence against their wives and girlfriends, domestic violence abusers who are being released in hours after being incarcerated, after being locked up, after being held and written up because they don't meet the point system criteria. 
That's an enormous problem. Then we find out that New York and New Jersey are not on the same page. They're not sharing information. So there you go. Guy commits a violent crime in New York, comes to New Jersey, doesn't matter. He's not in our system the same way. The points don't count. Let him out. This is a crisis for our community. We have a situation where we watched this happen in New York City and now we're seeing it playing out in New Jersey. We saw it happen in San Francisco and other parts of California where all of a sudden small crimes were not being prosecuted You know, in New York. Let them, let them jump the turnstile. Let them urinate in public. Let them shoot up drugs in Central Park. All of that. No problem. We'll let it go. Well, I don't have to remind you that one of the great mayors in New York City's history, Rudy Giuliani, came in at a time where there were so many murders in New York City, it was among the highest murder rate in the country happening right in New York. And what did Rudy do? He came in and started enforcing small crimes, called it the broken windows theory. And they came in and not only were they arresting people for small crimes, but that led to safer streets and the murder rate dropped precipitously. We need to focus on crime and punishment. We need to separate the emotion of saying that, yes, there are some people that will not be able to afford to get out of jail. And you know what? We need to do something about those cases, but to excuse violent perpetrators going through a revolving door that puts them back into your community, completely inexcusable. We need leadership from the governor. We need leadership from the legislature. We need leadership at the sheriff level. We need leadership at the prosecutor's level. We need to empower the good people of law enforcement to get the job done. I am sick and tired of runaway crime, increasing crime. It's 2023. It is time to rein this in and get New Jersey back on the right track. Joining me now, the chief of police in East Hanover, Chris Caniso. Chris, how are you, chief? Great to talk to you. I'm great. Uh, likewise, I like how you opened up. I agree with everything you said. It seems like you know a little more about law enforcement than I do. Because <laughs> what you said, uh, you take care of the small things, the big never happened, the broken windows here. I'm big on that. Well, you know, you know, look, Chris, it worked. I mean, we, we watched this happen in New York City, and all of a sudden, Rudy Giuliani started rounding up jaywalkers. I mean, and then they found out that most of these guys, the squeegee men coming out of the Holland Tunnel, the, the, uh, the, the Hudson River crossings, you find out that they're addicted to some kind of toxic substance. They've got outstanding warrants. They're skipping child payments. They were in jail. I mean, it's, it's, you know, or they were, they were supposed to be on trial and they skipped out. Once he started arresting people, things got better. And, and I, you know, so what we're doing, Chris, just so you know, is we've got a website called takeaction2023.com. Takeaction2023.com. If you go to that website, you can sign up to send a letter to the governor and the attorney general to say, we want this current form of bail reform repealed. It's that simple. What's the perspective, Chris, from your town, East Hanover, what's happening on the ground regarding crime and law enforcement? Well, crime is through the roof. I will say that publicly. I've been a police officer for 28 years when I first came on in 1995. And, you know, I do understand the Republican Party put up the bail reform, and I agree with it because it's kind of not fair. Someone commits a major crime and they have the money they get out. And then we would do right. a lot of shop with things right. where they were elevated and the monetary. The problem with bail reform, as I see it, is it's on a PSA, public safety assessment, from one to six. The problem is when our officers are contacting the prosecutor's office, the APs, the legal end of it, they're deciding who's going to the warrant or not. So I called for a meeting locally here in Morris County, along with my sheriff and our prosecutor, 
Corps excellent. And the sheriff, Gannon from Morris County, is actually the state president. So it's great to have a. And, and Jim Gannon's a good sheriff. Jim Gannon is uh, not political. He is he is a law enforcement professional, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. One of the uh, most humble guys I've ever met. And yeah, he's I always going to support local law enforcement. What we found out is we called a uh, meeting with the Superior Court. Uh, Judge Amaris, and he was excellent. He's a gentleman. And then he said to me, I don't know what you're talking about. I go, how are you not knowing what I talk about, why people are in jail? So he said to me, Chris, you got to understand, if everything's put on summons, it never arises to superior court. If it does arise where it's put on a warrant, I'll see it, and then I run an algorithm with New York, and then I'll make a decision based on the criminal history. So there was a disconnect there. So they're working on it, and locally in Morris County, they are lodging more people in jail. The one thing I find very it's actually disheartening. Under the Prevention of Domestic Violence Act, when I was a road sergeant, everything had to be put on a warrant. Nothing is put on a warrant under a domestic violence anymore. Why is that? What What is the reason behind great, that? I, I just learned that in the last two weeks. That's a great question. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if, if you know. So, so what does that mean to the average person? Let, let's just take a, a guy, you know, a guy has uh, too much to drink, comes, comes home, it's two o'clock in the morning, and he beats up his living girlfriend. Uh, but yes, he has sir. no priors. Cops are called. What happens? So we, under the Prevention of Domestic Violence Act, the officer will place him under arrest with probable cause, and then uh, they'll put him into the system. He comes back a one or two, which is a low risk for a reoffense. And how you know that when a party's intoxicated, I don't know. Right. Um, so that, that same person played a lottery, and then they're released that night. Traditionally, they would go to the county jail, and what we create is a pool of period of 48 hours, which I'm big on. 48 hours, cool down period. You make sure that the spouse or girlfriend who was the victim of this crime is is safe, right? Has a place to go and and doesn't live in fear that this guy's going to get out now four hours later and, uh, you know, still got a buzz and who knows what happens. Right. It creates a cooling effect, you know? Right. And that's important. But back to what you were saying, um, you know, I'm sick of these people saying they're low risk for reoffense or not violent crime. Well, I can tell you here in East Standard, we've had high-end cars stolen, and those vehicles were used directly in a homicide in North New Jersey. Yeah. So how is that? Where does that fit in? What are you the hearing? What are you hearing though? From let, let's talk about those high-end cars, right? So, so there's a you know we talk about the high-end guy who's got gobs of money, gets accused of something, writes a big check, and he's out the next day. Um, and, and that was one of the reasons, I think, that there was a little bit of class warfare going on when it came to this bail reform originally. I think a lot of the Republicans wanted to do the right thing and say, hey, we're not just catering to the rich guy. We're going to stand up for the, you know, the youth of color who are being disproportionately uh, detained. Got it. That said, that same guy now, not, 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 not the guy accused of a crime, but the same person living in that wealthy neighborhood is looking over the shoulder because we had a case where there were perps that got into the garage, as I understand it, in the, the neighbor of Governor Murphy in Middletown to steal that their I, cars. That I can't comment. I will tell you locally, there are celebrities here in East Hanover, yeah. and they had, they've had home invasions where they're coming for the fob. They've uh, made, no, made no contact with the homeowner, but they came in knowing who they are. Mm-hmm. They're chasing the fob. Um, right. Monfield, New Jersey's having an issue. Um, you know, You know who lives there. And they're being followed home. So they're saying it's nonviolent when quickly it could turn violent. And then they're released. I don't get it. Can I ask you, Chris, as a law enforcement guy, why is a home invasion not considered a violent crime? I don't know. I mean, it's not like you're leaving a key under the mat. This is somebody breaking in. Yeah. And uh, let's face it. 
I would like to protect the juvenile suspect who's not executive function of his brain hasn't been developed yet. And how do you know that homeowner is not going to come across him with a handgun, but he's being right. misguided by a gang? But, so you know, that way too. So so let let's talk about solutions. You know, I'm all about solutions. I think we know what the problem is. Part of it is, and you and I discussed this. And by the way, uh, uh, not only do you know more about this than I do, but I learned from you that whole New York New Jersey thing that we're not on the same point system. So a guy that is arrested in New York City can easily, if he's let go because he's nonviolent there, cross the Hudson, and there's no record of it here. I can tell you a documented case in East Hanover. We got a call at our target in East Hanover, and a gentleman was acting up a shoplifter and ran on the police, and he was released from Rikers Island 12 hours before. And we said, what are you doing here? He goes, I can't commit crime in New York. I'll go right back to jail. He came back a one. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I mean, who even put this coding system together? How was it ranked or rated? I mean, were, were, were the chiefs included? Were, was no, the PBA no. included? What happened? No, 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 we were never asked to the table. Yeah. That's part of the problem, Chris. And, and, and it's one of the things I wanted to solve. You know, we call the show Common Ground, and the idea is that we can find common ground with just about anybody as long as you're willing to look at solving the problem. My concern is, and, and I'm not even saying this to call out the attorney general, but in a little bit I am, because in part, Matt Platkin inherited this from Gabir Graywall. I mean, this was not his doing. This was, this was, right? We went from, the non-pursuit went on for, it lasted 17 weeks. And they said, yeah. hey, we got to allow the pursuit again. What they didn't talk about in pursuits, and I was a road sergeant for years, the discipline of a cop. Because many times, 2.30 in the afternoon, there was a pursuit for shoplifting. I would have, I would break it off. They never talked about that. But at 1 in the morning on a Sunday night in East Hanover, I don't know why I can't pursue a stolen vehicle, which we can again. <laughs> Right, you can now. So yes. in that sense, it, it's I think that you guys pushed back. So what we did with this website, which is takeaction2023.com. And oh, by the way, if you're listening right now, we are streaming on Rumble. So you can like it, you can rumble it, you can share it. We are also now live on our various social media platforms. So we're out on Facebook, which you can like and click a thumbs up on that. Uh, within the next few minutes, I believe we'll be on Instagram and Twitter if we're not there already. Um, thanks to the great work of Luke Ball, who is working with us, outstanding professional, getting the job done, uh, like Kevin is behind the board right now, making sure everything is running right. Uh, things are uh, good on our technical end, but we need you to have some input on this so you can uh, like us, rumble it, give us a thumbs up, do that and share it with your friends and family and colleagues and acquaintances because we need to get the word out. The show is called Common Ground because as you have heard over the past few weeks, we're looking for solutions. And the reason I asked Chief Chris Caniso to come on is to talk about the actual solutions. Now, the call-in number, if you want to join this conversation, if you are law enforcement, if you've been a victim of a crime, if you want to report something going on in your town and get it to the right people, 973-891-4421 is our number. Um, you, we are on with Police Chief Chris Caniso, who is from the East Hanover, Morris County, Police Department. Uh, Chief, let me go back to something you said about the chases. Help me help the public understand because the average person around the water cooler, when you say there's a cop chase, they either think of one or two things. One, the viral videos that show cars flipping over in the middle of traffic, or they think of OJ. 
So oh, yeah. right, they, yeah. they think of those two things. So, so what is it that people should have in their mind about what constitutes a police chase, why you would give chase, and how you've been trained to end the chase? That's a great question. I can leave you on with that. So there's a pursuit policy in New Jersey that's been in effect since 1993, and it's only gotten tighter, and I agree with it. And you only could chase for certain crimes, and you also could only chase, you know, if the weather it permits, if it's rainy and it's a school time, school's getting out, you're not going to chase, right? But right. there are times, many times, when we can chase, and we do a great job at it. There is a thing called vehicle contact action, so I'm a proponent of basically – the police car would tap the vehicle and disable the vehicle. But they've a lot of the officers are afraid to do that because, God forbid, something goes wrong, their careers are at stake. When I was on the road, that was you were able to do that and disable pursuit immediately. And what but, would that constitute? I mean, you 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 kind of wedge the guy between the Jersey barrier and the, exactly. and the front of your cop car? Yeah, so basically, uh, if he's in traffic before the pursuit starts, you affect the motor vehicle stop with three police cars around you and you gently guide them or you make a light vehicle contact action where you box them in before this crazy pursuit goes on, right? And, and now I'm talking about serious crimes here, which we do see in Morris County. Right, and, and by serious crime, uh, you're not talking about a kid joyriding in the middle of the night with a six pack. You're talking about uh, someone who has either stabbed someone, shot someone. This is the getaway car. They've held up a drugstore or a bank, something like that. Yeah, and, you know, I elevate that crime to a home invasion. I mean, that's a game changer. When you're breaking into someone's house, you know, we alerted the police chiefs, everyone, lock your door, lock your door, lock yeah. your door. But I refuse to hold somebody or re-victimize a mother who comes home with an infant and by mistake left her father in the car, which is happening in Stanford. Yeah. So now we're educating the public to do that. But now they're doing everything right, locking their house, locking the fob in their master bedroom, and then they wake up for somebody in their bedroom. That's happened in New Jersey. The media doesn't always report on that. Scary. Wow, the media don't even get me started, Chris. I, you know, I, 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 I painstakingly explain every time that I don't consider myself a part of the media because I think the corporate media has been complicit. They, they don't hold accountable any of these politicians. They, they hear it, they look for a clickbait soundbite, and they move on. Nobody's I, interested in telling the truth anymore. It's disgusting. A famous radio host I listened to this morning, I'm not going to say his name, <laughs> said they should put these journalists accountable and also have them licensed and CUs, continuing education units. Yeah. For somebody who can create a major issue in society by reporting something that's fake news, yeah. they need to be accountable. I am so glad you brought that up. I could do a whole show on that, Chris. I, I said that, I have been saying this now for months. I, I, you know, I, I looked at it every year. I'm, I'm still a broker of record for a, a major company. I'm still friends with Jim Weicker. What a great, great company he runs in New Jersey uh, and, and nationally. And I maintain my broker's licenses. So every two years, I'm a, I'm a radio guy. I'm a political guy. I run a number of organizations. I make films for Lifetime. I do all these things. Guess what I got to do every two years? Sit down for between 20 and 30 hours and complete continuing education to keep my license renewed because there's a responsibility that comes with being a real estate professional. I, I, and I'm not actively selling anything. But, but when it comes to journalism, I don't understand how we have biased politicized so-called fact checkers on Instagram and Facebook, and you can't get a journalist to go to school to learn the basics of reading and writing and reading comprehension and then reporting what you've done. Yes, I would institute that. Um, you know, I think that radio guy is right. Yeah, 100% right. And I think you may know him too. 
I think so. I think so. But I think it's a good idea. I mean, look, you, you know, cops have to go through it. There's no question. Nobody even questions that. They say, of course, you've got to be retrained on your firearm. You've got to be retrained in CPR. You've got to be retrained on, on Miranda and, and how to arrest somebody and all of the tactics that go into being a police officer. And you might say, hey, you know, being a police officer is a much heavier load of responsibility than a journalist. But when you think about how people react to the media and they react to the news and they react to a nine second soundbite, you could, I, I've said this before, you know, as you know, I do hashtag Blue Friday every Friday on the show to honor law enforcement. Well, sure, it's the right thing to do, but you know, I run out of time, not stories. I, I have a backlog, hundreds and hundreds of stories of what police officers have done to protect and serve in the public. Can you imagine if the mainstream corporate media every night ran a Blue Friday story about a good thing a cop did, you would have a completely different narrative. So the media's got a lot of power. I think we need to speak truth to power and hold the fourth estate accountable. And yes, I, I would absolutely implement that. Back to the, this point that you were making about the chase. What's another thing that the public needs to understand with the training of police officers that, thank God, we've, we've got them um, you know, trained in the way that they are, what's something that you think the public needs to know, maybe a misconception that's out there about your training? Well, twice a year we have online training. It's a uh, 100 questions and it's a 150 PowerPoint slide when you can chase, you know, definitions of boxing and paralleling that you're not allowed to do. So there's a lot of times it doesn't even get to that point, right? Wait, Chris, well, let me just interrupt you real quick. Just a, a public service announcement. Our call-in uh, system is down. So if you're calling the number, you're not getting through right now, 973-891-4421. Save that in your cell phone. Give it about four minutes for the system to reset and then call back. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. Sorry yeah, to ice so the there, kicker. There's a tremendous amount of training online prior to, and there's also a common sense approach, which most officers had, when to pursue and when not to pursue. Um, you know, I will tell you, I've been in pursuits uh, the majority of my career, and there is blatant disregard for human life the way they drive. But it's only at certain times that we do that. It might be at 1 in the morning. And when we're coming through Route 10 and Ridgedale Avenue in East Hanover, there's other units in that area lighting the area to alert the motorists, stay away, we're coming through. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it makes you know, sense. He's always looking for that one bad uh, section. And back to the media, we were saying, it's sad. They're throwing a grenade into social media cloud just to create a division. Right. And in my job, my job is to make people feel comfortable. My job is to help serve people and lead. And they're doing everything the opposite. Yeah. So what would you say? Let's let's give you you got three minutes with with the governor and you're going to say, all right, governor, here's how you fix bail reform. Here are the two or three tweaks you know, it doesn't have to be a full-on repeal. I think we ought to repeal the whole thing and start again. But I'm also a practical, pragmatic thinker when it comes to politics, understanding that you don't move the mountain overnight. So what's something that could be tweaked overnight that would put the public's mind at ease that government is actually working to protect our communities and our, and our, our state and our cities? Uh, and then the other side, know that there's a longer-term solution that needs to be had. So my knee-jerk reaction. So the PSA comes back one to six. When they come back a three, a three, five, or six, usually a six, they'll put you in jail for forty-eight hours. They'll end up on a warrant. You hit a three, it goes immediately to forty-eight hours in jail, not six, because it's proven the the bad guys and girls are telling our officers it's a joke. We know to keep our PSAs low, two and three, and we say how do you keep your PSA low? 
It's simple, officer. We just show up in court. And a lot of the times it gets dismissed. Third word's not mine to my officers. So that's an issue. I mean, we have another problem in New Jersey that the governor has failed to aggressively appoint judges. There are, there are dozens, if not more than 100 vacancies out there. So we, we also have a huge backlog because this administration has failed to do their job. And I'm not asking you to get political, but you know, as a citizen, I look at this and say, I don't understand. You're in your, your second term now. You've had ample time. Obviously, if there's a court backlog of, of offenders that need to be heard in court and maybe convicted and incarcerated, what are we doing? Bail reform is letting them out. We're not even keeping them in the jail. And the trial could be weeks, months, years off because we don't have enough judges. It's nuts. We arrested, we arrested a gentleman in East for a shoplifting. And he had been arrested 29 other times in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> 29 arrests. Well, this is the best part. Oh PSA God. goes by convictions. And he, he had 24 dismissals over the last five years. Wow. Wow. And, at Essex County, New Jersey. And, and what would you say, I mean, maybe well, I'm asking you to speculate, so I, I don't want, I, I want to get your, your expertise on it, but why? Because the average person hears that and they're like, it sounds like everything is broken, I'm moving to Florida. Like, that's what the average person hears. I hear it and I say, appoint more judges, maybe tighten up. Is it a problem that we don't have enough space to house the prisoners? Is it a problem that we don't have enough prosecutors? Is it a budget a issue? What is it? Yeah, I think the prosecutors don't make great money. A lot of yep. them are young and experienced. Sure. I get it. And they'll Start all be the first to tell you that. And then they'll move, and they'll move, they'll jump on the private side, and then they know the opponent's approach, meaning the prosecutor's office, and they know how to get dismissals done, and they do a good job at it. Yeah. yeah. Bill, a good person to have on, I, I would love for you to, is a low-level criminal, because he'll tell you how they operate. That is a great idea. All right, so I'm going to put this out there. If you are a low-level criminal... You can. You don't have to use your real name. Nonviolent. Call nine seven three eight nine one forty four twenty one. I want to have you on, Chris. I got to tell you, you're a breath of fresh air. I want to thank you for taking all this time with us today and shedding some light on this. Um, the only thing I'll add, and remember, you said it before, just to, to reaffirm this, that perhaps anybody that scores at any level, especially someone that's dragged in for a violent crime, even if they've never so much as had a traffic ticket. Don't you think a 24-hour waiting period in lockup makes sense? 100%. Yeah. Because the courts are behind, and uh, why not put them away? A couple yeah. consequences. Some of the same, put them away for six months, 10 right. years. No. 48 hours, especially yeah. with domestic violence. Yep. Let everyone calm yep. down. I, I, I love it. Uh, yep, I'm with you. All right, Chris, thank you. Actually, wait, thank our you. call is back. If you can hang on a minute, I've got Marlene calling from East Hanover. Marlene, welcome to Common Ground. You are on with... Police Chief Chris Caniso from East Hanover. How are you, Marlene? Uh, very good. Thanks so much, Bill, for having me. Um, hi, Chief Caniso. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Chris, How are you? Um, I was just wondering, is there anything as a community we can do to help um, prevent crimes in the area? I mean, we, we live in a great town. Um, you guys are doing a fantastic job, uh, but maybe like a neighborhood watch or something like that that we could start up. Um, maybe they, we could have, um, I don't know, some type of a seminars or something on, on what to look out for, you know, that type of a thing. I, I, I'm just trying to figure out how we could keep everybody safe and, um, and our town as, as good as it is. Great question, Marlene. Chief, what do you think? 
Well, one, I want to uh, thank you for calling in because that means a lot to me. As a community, um, right now, I'm, if you see something, say something. Nine out of ten times, the extra eyes and ears out there are you, right? And I know you, you don't live under a rock. You see the alley lights and the marked police cars. We created residential patrol for the uh, residents. But if you see something, say something, right? And I don't love the neighborhood watch because you are dealing with borderline violent criminals, even though the law and the PSA is saying they're that's not, they are. Point. Boy, that's so, a great point, Chris. That's a great point. You don't want vigilante justice out there. Not going to help anybody. Uh, let me ask you this real quick to kind of uh, come off of what Marlene had said. I, I remember, you know, when I had this show on Fox, Chasing News, we, we did a report. I, now, f- forgive me, I don't remember the town. It may have been Westfield. It was a, you know, a higher-end town. It may have been Morristown, Westfield Summit, one of those, where a young mom had a kid, had a toddler at home and a new baby. She's walking around her house feeding the baby, and this perp comes in, busts in the door, and beats her up. I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible situation. I believe he was arrested, convicted, et cetera. But a lot of my Second Amendment friends said, oh, the solution is an armed populace. And I said, well, first of all, I agree with people being armed. I said, but realistically, the young mom feeding the baby, walking around the house, what, is she going to have a six gun on her hip? It doesn't doesn't make any logical sense. So my solution, which is something I've told friends and family, I'm like, look, buy a dog. Buy a dog, one of the great preventions out there. Do you agree? Yeah. uh, One, I'm not, don't hold me to this. I think that was Milburn, New Jersey. It was Milburn. You're 100% right. Did Did that guy go away? Oh, that was horrible. I don't. I, I can't. I don't know. I'm assuming he did, but that was disgusting. Yeah, the video and was horrific. Horrific, horrific, and how that didn't hit national AP news is That's right. beyond. Right. Right. And, you know, and again, the, the national news plays a game and, and they're it's it's almost like they do a disservice to all communities because they either take it in a racial context and they act like that's the motivator and that just kills the story. Or they 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 have some bizarre way of putting it that uh, these fancy, uh, you know, wealthier communities, that's the, that happens once every so often. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. If it's your daughter, it's your mom. What are you crazy? Your oh, sister? Yeah. It's a That's huge terrible. deal. But what about you the know, dogs? I, Tell me about it. I think a dog's a great deterrent, you know, yeah. because they're they're really not predictable, right? So <laughs> if you, dog, if you buy the best dogs ever, they can growl at each other. They're intimidating, right? And they, they don't no fear. They're not going to recognize someone with a handgun or whatnot. They're going to attack you, yeah. right? Yeah. And then back to what you were saying, it didn't happen here, but the home invasions, which I call with the father, but like you talk to the Madison police chief, talk to the Chatham Township police chief, talk to the Montville, New Jersey police chief, what he's got on his hands right now. With high-end car celebrities are up to here. They want to move out of New Jersey because of what's occurring. Talk to them. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Well, Chief, you are, uh, you're awesome. Thank you so much for joining right, me on Common Ground. I want to have you back on the radio. I'll have you back on this show. Uh, keep, the, uh, keep the faith, keep the fight, and know that help is on the way because more and more people Thank are embracing you. common sense, and we're going to get there. Thanks, Absolutely. Chief. Thank you. You take care. That is Chief. You. you got it. Take care. That is Chief Chris Caniso from East Hanover. All right. I, um, I believe I've got another caller on the line. I can't see where. I love the technical aspect of this. It's all good, though. So welcome to Common Ground. Hello. Hey, there we go. What's your first name? My name is Karen. Hi, Karen. You're on uh, Common Ground. How you doing? I'm Bill. 
I'm good. I'm good. I was just watching your your um, yeah. live, and I wanted to make a few comments about the repeat offender aspect. Do it. My daughter. My daughter, Yasmin, um, was murdered last year in July oh um, in a domestic violence in Rahway. I'm sorry. Um, after, thank you. He was a repeat offender of domestic violence through several states, not just New Jersey, yeah. though most of his um, arrests had been in New Jersey. And I just wanted to say the bail reform was one of the worst things that could possibly happen to victims of domestic violence. Um, huh. He had repeatedly repeatedly requested for him to have evaluations, to be held longer, um, and every time he was in jail, it was literally a few hours, and he would be released and again find her. Um, so the bail reform definitely um, needs to be changed as far as domestic violence goes. Karen, it took a lot of guts for you to call. First of all, I'll, I'll pray for your daughter's soul, and, and uh, that is a horrific story. I want to ask you this question, though, um, now that we're talking about it. What was the response that you got when you, who do you call? You call the police, you call 911, you call, who, who do you call when you know your daughter's fearing for her safety? What, what did you do and what was done or what wasn't done? I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bashing the police because I, sure. I don't want to sound that way. Got it. But need to be able to, to reach out to somebody. Um, but it was really sporadic. When things would happen, we would always call the police. But the police's response really depended on the policeman who responded. Sometimes, even though she had a restraining order and everything, there were multiple, multiple, you know, cases of, of him being, you know, arrested or charged with breaking the, the restraining order. It literally would depend on the police officer. Sometimes they wouldn't even enforce the restraining order. Sometimes they would, and they would be super kind to make sure she was okay and yeah. you have a place to go. But those those instances were very rare. Yeah. Well, Karen, you speak for a lot of moms out there, uh, a lot of broken hearts and broken families because the good intentions of bail reform to help, you know, when we talk about the economic situation, completely left thousands of vulnerable women out there at the hands of these violent perpetrators. It's, it's horrific. Every one of them should be rounded up and incarcerated again. I, to me, breaking a restraining order, if you are a violent offender, if you're somebody who is threatening the safety of a, of a young woman, I, I don't know why that is not automatic detention. You gotta be in jail just for that pending trial, right? No. No. Absolutely. And, and there were many times where my daughter would call or, or we would call because she was, you know, she couldn't get to the phone. Because, of course, you know, a domestic violence offender, one of the first things they would do, they grab the person's phone and they break it. So there were many times we would call for her and, oh and she would call us back in tears and say, they don't believe me or they won't even make him leave. You know, they'll always ask you, do you have a restraining order? But then it comes down to, again, like, Oh, did you make him mad? Or, you know, maybe you kind of said that he could come out. No, like, wow. it, it really depends on the officer that responds yeah. as I mean, far as the help. A lot, that of, a lot of victim blaming goes on with things like this. And, and, I, and I think yeah. part of the problem, and you're, you're hitting it on the head, uh, the bail reform restrains cops from doing their job. So we'll never know. They don't know what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. And uh, the prosecutors, you know, can't put these guys away. I, I, I when, when Murphy let out those 5,000 criminals over time, he and Graywall and, and uh, Platkin after him, 
after they had been convicted of crimes. They let them out before their sentences. How do you, and then they scratch their heads that crime is up. Do you know, and, and you probably know this, I mean, domestic violence calls are spiking in this state, spiking. And nobody wants to, to point the finger. They say, well, it's the post-COVID rage that people are going through. That, that's complete and utter garbage. That is nonsense. We're letting bad people on the streets and we ought to be rounding them up. It is that simple. What do you want to say to the moms out there who are either struggling and, and suffering because of their kids or the, the daughters out there who are in some kind of a bad relationship? What do you want to say to them? They, they just need to reach out. They have to find that strength within themselves. They have to reach out. There's many wonderful organizations out there that are willing, you know, to, to help um, and get them to a safe place. And, and just, just reach out to somebody, be it a church or a policeman or a friend. You just have to, you have to reach out. How, how are you doing now? How is your whole family? Rest of the family okay? Recovered? Our family, our family is good. Um, I have my four-year-old grandson who was um, also part of what happened um, and he's doing amazing and we're blessed that we have him. Wow. Well, we'll pray for him too and, and you as well. Karen, thanks. It took a lot of guts to call. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Take care. Um, so uh, what do you even say to that? You know, Governor, I hope you're listening and all of you in the legislature that virtue signaled to say that we could have bail reform because, what, a couple of kids got picked up for shoplifting and couldn't afford the bail, and we're going to make this a major case, and now you have domestic violence abusers out on the street? Did you really have to hear Karen tell her story? Did you really need to hear that? And I'm talking to every one of you, in the, the Republican side, the Democratic side, in the Senate, in the Assembly, and in the Governor's office, and all of you in the Attorney General's office, and all of the prosecutors out there, and the sheriffs, speak up. Stand up. Chief Chris Caniso has no issue standing up. I know guys like Sheriff Jim Gannon in Morris County, no issue standing up. Mike Strada in Sussex County, no issue standing up. You've got a handful of good guys out there that will stand up, but, but, but where are you? Do we really have to hear the pleas from a grandmother who lost her daughter and is now raising her four-year-old grandson because a domestic violence abuser was never rounded up and incarcerated and kept behind bars. What is the good of a restraining order if you're not gonna pull these perps off the street? Why are we coddling criminals? Why do we tolerate violence against women? I don't know about you, but I was raised in a different time when there was a healthy respect for women. And we've gone far away from that now. And the idea that any of this is tolerated, are we gonna make an excuse for the guy's background? You know, they're the one question, that's the question I don't ask. You know why? I don't care, I don't care. You're a violent guy abusing women, you belong behind bars, for good as far as I'm concerned. And the idea that we have politicians in New Jersey that think that you can play around the nuances of this, and say, well, we have to keep in mind people's upbringing, we have to keep in mind people's economic situation, no, we don't. I don't care if you're rich or poor. You beat up a woman, you threaten her life and her safety, you make her feel uncomfortable, you ought to be behind bars. It's that simple. And I'd like to usher in over the next couple of years a zero tolerance in this state for violent perpetrators when it comes to domestic violence. It is absolutely time that we have zero tolerance. Enough already. It's, it's not right. Did we really have to hear that story to take action? Well, do me a favor. 
Now more than ever, take action. Take action with me. You know, I've got the largest audience in the state when it comes to my radio audience. And then you look at the huge TV audience that we had built, and now we're reclaiming a lot of that audience right here on Common Ground, streaming on Rumble and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. This will also be posted eventually to YouTube. And once all that's out there, you gotta spread the word. Take action with me. I've got a website. We took this energy, this force of people and mothers and fathers and grandparents and sisters and brothers and everyone in between, and we said, let's do something about the rise in crime. Let's not just sit back and say, wow, that's an interesting stat that domestic violence calls are going through the roof. Wow, that's an interesting stat that car thefts are up 22.5%. Wow, that's interesting that, that 10% of the perps that were let out were rearrested in the first 30 days, several of them accused of murder. Wow, interesting stat. Let me go back to what I'm doing, playing the lottery or playing video games or just paying attention to something else. It's time to take action because it could be your daughter. It could be you. It could be your kids, your parents. Takeaction2023.com is a website designed for you. I built this out to say it's not enough for me to talk about this. And guys, you know me. I'm not an entertainer. I think the show can be entertaining, but I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a comic. I'm not a singer. I'm not a performer. I'm a guy that believes in faith and family and country and opportunity and freedom. That's what I believe in. And I think that I've been blessed with this vast audience in order to communicate to you that we need to fight like hell. We need to stand up for all of the grandmoms out there, the Karens who lost their daughter to an abuser who should have never seen the light of day. We need to stop victim shaming and start supporting these victims and making less victims by incarcerating more criminals. TakeAction2023.com will allow you to fill out your name, your town, your email, and send a letter to the Attorney General Platkin and the governor and say enough is enough. How many more young women have to be brutalized and killed before this government will take action against bail reform? Bail reform needs to be reformed to the point of repeal. Enough already. You broke it. Now it's time to fix it. And every Republican out there, I'm gonna to talk to you especially, because you're all gonna be vying for some office, you're all gonna be vying for reelection, you're all gonna come around and ask for money. Yeah, we know. Well, we're gonna remember the story of Karen and her daughter who was killed because bail reform failed to keep the bad guy in jail. Now, for me, I'd like to see a longer term solution as well. I would immediately, if not sooner, on day one, by executive order, say that no one is gonna follow the bail reform. You know, they do this in other towns and people excuse this in other states. They did it in New York, they did it in California. You got the power to do it right here in New Jersey, prosecutors. Keep these guys behind bars. Do what's right, it's common sense. If you know a guy is hopped up on some kind of a drug and just beat the crap out of his spouse or his girlfriend, but he scores a one and you think it's acceptable to let him go in six hours, you're the problem. You're the problem. And it's time we start holding these prosecutors and judges accountable. Now, I'd like to see 
a longer term solution where we actually fill all the vacancies for these judges. That's bad on Governor Murphy. That needs to happen. TakeAction2023.com. You can help force the issue. Guys, we did this successfully with the Parental Bill of Rights. What did we do? We got tens of thousands. At the end of the day, it was more than 68,000 parents sent notes to the governor, to the NJEA president, and to their state legislators saying, enough is enough. We don't want our kids sexualized. And as a result, dozens and dozens of districts across the state acted and said, nope, we're not going to teach this crap. Same thing here. TakeAction2023.com. You don't realize how much your voice matters. And I get it. You say, Bill, we have an election every year in the state and nothing seems to get better. We've got to take the next step. The next step is to act. We've got to act. We've got to speak loudly and carry the big stick. We've got to do both. My job is to speak loudly. And because of our partnership with a lot of great organizations, a lot of great people across the state, we have now built a big stick. Let's go whack these guys. And let's make sure that the legislature and the governor do the right thing. It is time to repeal the Bail Reform and Speedy Trial Act. Repeal it. It is, a, it is an unmitigated disaster. And we should not have to hear one more story about Karen's daughter and how she died at the hands of some scumbag who couldn't control his temper, had violent tendencies, and was in and out of being detained by the police. That should never happen. I mean, honestly, how are we not at a three strikes and you're out on that, right? That's where we ought to be. So first thing, what we need to do in this state, we need to appoint all of the judges to the vacancies. We've got to do that. Second thing we need to do, repeal the Bail Reform and Speedy Trial Act. Third thing we need to do, we need to honor federal detainer orders and round up the criminals who are out there accused of heinous crimes, including child trafficking, sex trafficking, child rape, we need to honor those federal detainer orders. Fourth thing we need to do, we need to re-incarcerate. I would grant amnesty for 24 hours. So pay attention. If you're one of the perps out there that you were one of the 5,000 that were let out of jail because of COVID, are you kidding me? You couldn't make that up if you tried. We know better now. We know better. And change is coming. And I'm going to tell you, on day one, 24-hour amnesty, and if you don't turn yourself in, we're coming to get you. We're coming to get you, and you're going to be charged with violating that grace period. So there'll be more time on your book because we have to have a zero tolerance for criminals in this state. Enough. Now, fifth thing I would do. We need a great infrastructure project in this state to build more prisons. We have some great skilled labor out there between our unions and our non-union contractors. We've got great people out there, skilled labor that want to build things. They want to build things. Let's build more prisons. Let's build more prisons because, guys, when it comes down to it, New Jersey is such a great state. It's a great state. I love it. I know you love it. And even though I have that caller, Greg, who calls from Freehold every show and gives me the countdown, I think today he was at two years, eight months, and 16 days. I know deep down, Greg, you want to stay in New Jersey. You know what? I'm staying. I'm staying. And a lot of people may not like that, but a lot more people do because you know that I'm fighting right with you. Side by side, we are going to change this state. We can 
absolutely restructure government, to make government work for people. Government at no point should be working just to sustain their own power, just to line their own pockets. Government has to be turned into the tool it was meant to be, which is public service, public service, not just term limits. That's one side of it, and I go back and forth on that. Seriously, what I'd rather see we do is fix the election system and have term limits be every single election cycle. You know where there ought to be term limits? On the bureaucracy. That's where there ought to be term limits. You shouldn't be a 40-year government worker. We made it too enticing. And this is not to knock any government workers because I had a couple of state workers call the show this morning. And I said, guys, I hope you know I'm with you. You're working for a living. You have no control over the process. You know who does? The governor. And he is down on the job. And we need to take it back. So back around to the website, takeaction2023.com. I will always point out the negative and show you what needs to be fixed, but I'll never do it without pointing out the positive solution as well. I gave you my five solutions on how we fix crime. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done by tax incentives on bringing businesses into higher crime areas and hiring cops. It can be done with an enterprise zone. I had a great conversation with my friend Rosemary Becky today. She heads an organization called Jersey First, jerseyfirst.org, and it's 1ST, Jersey 1ST, jerseyfirst.org. Great organization. And Rosemary and I talked about how do we solve the out-migration? Because you want to talk about a crime problem, well, Take away opportunity for people. Give them idle time and no opportunity and no prospects, and you're gonna have higher crime. How about we put people to work? How about we bring jobs into Newark? How about we bring jobs into Patterson? How about we bring jobs into Trenton and Camden and Irvington? It is all possible. I would like to see, and, and there are two Democrats that I'm gonna give credit for this. You're not gonna believe this. First one is former Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York. Andrew Cuomo understood that when other states lower taxes and create economic incentives for businesses, it hurts your state. So in New Jersey, in New Jersey, we've got the highest corporate business tax in the country. Do you know what Pennsylvania did? Do you know what New York did? They lowered it. Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf worked with the Republicans to get a 4.99% business tax. They cut it in half. That's why people are leaving. We want people to stay. New Jersey is great. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. Our organizations now, just to give you a quick update, I just updated all of our founders and our major contributors, and I wanna share this with you. We are now up close, razor thin, to 100,000 members of the Common Sense Club. We have now got a fully funded pack, which is gonna be focused on one specific thing, supporting local candidates for office. It's called Common Sense Wins. You know why? It does. Common sense is what it's all about. It's about practical politics. It's not about checking off an ideological box. It's not about checking a box, Republican, Democrat. Well, if you're a Republican, you're better than him. No. It's about common sense, practical ideas. How do we really fix this state? Do we have the leadership with the courage and the guts to monetize New Jersey transit, to redline parts of Rutgers and hold them accountable, to actually empower our sheriffs and our prosecutors and our chiefs of police to round up the perpetrators and keep people safe in their neighborhoods? Do we have the guts to do it? Do we have the guts to take that 
risk, that leap of faith and lower our business taxes, lower our millionaires taxes down to nothing so that we can create a wealth of opportunity for New Jerseyans. Imagine for a minute, I'll walk you through my quick plan in the couple of minutes I have. I came up with a reverse millionaires tax and I've run this by a number of people and I know those of you that rejected this before, you're gonna listen to me now because the opportunity to bring back the thousands and thousands of millionaires that have fled this state by taking the graduated tax and reversing it. Up to 750,000, you pay the full boat. 750 to 1.5 million, we cut it in half. 1.5 to three, we cut it in half again. And you keep cutting it in half until the guy making $10 million a year is not paying a dime over 10 million. Why is that important? Do I really have to tell you? Because if I'm getting him for the 750 to a million five, that millionaire is offsetting dozens, if not hundreds of middle-class taxpayers, every one of them. Those are the kinds of practical ideas that we need in New Jersey. Those are the kinds of practical ideas that the Common Sense Club is gonna advocate for, that our Common Sense New Jersey 501c3 Foundation is going to educate. And those are the kinds of ideas that our PAC, Common Sense Wins, is gonna go after aggressively, supporting candidates from everything from school board to mayor to commissioner to county executive to sheriff to state senator and everything in between over the course of the next three cycles in 23, 24, and 25. Now I'm gonna leave you with one last final point. I make a lot of discussion about this and I'm gonna start ending every show with this because I think you need to hear this. In New Jersey, we have had too many high-priced consultants saying you have to map out your course for victory in this state based on the number of Democrats, the number of Republicans, and the number of independents. I say, no, you don't. The status quo needs to be thrown out the window. There are 2 million Democrats, 1 million Republicans, and 2.2 million unaffiliated voters. I am talking to you if you are unaffiliated. And first of all, know this, I don't blame you. Both parties have sold us down the river for so many years, you don't know which way to turn. I get it, but here's the thing. When we get to November, it's the Republicans on one side and the Democrats on the other that choose who the two candidates will be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how many times have you sat there looking at your sample ballot in November saying, how did I get stuck with these two bozos? It happens all the time. You can do something about it. In New Jersey, as an unaffiliated voter, you can show up at the polls on election day, declare for one party or the other, and vote in that primary. Start choosing the combatants, and you do it in June. I'll do a step further. Go even further back. Join me in March. Register as a Republican and show up at your county committee meetings. Show up at the county conventions. Have your voice heard because unaffiliated doesn't mean that you don't share all the ideas or some of the ideas that are good on one side and good on the other. But unless we get common sense, critical thinking people, moms and dads, like the 447 moms and dads who won seats at the school boards in 2022, we need all of you Join me on the Republican side. Why not the Democrat side? Very simple. In my opinion, Democrats are too far gone. Sorry, guys. You guys are nuts. It's too far gone. The sexualization of kids, uh, selling the country out to Ukraine, it's too much. It's too much. So maybe eventually when you decide the world is not going to end in 12 years from global warming and we can all go back to driving our SUVs and turning on our air conditioner, maybe then the Democrats will have gotten some common sense and some grounding. Until then, they're lost. We need a true opposition with the Republican Party, but the Republican Party needs you. 
The Republican Party needs new blood. We can't just keep stagnating with the same old thing, the same old people, the same old ideas. I want to bring in hundreds of thousands of new Republicans over the course of the next three years so we can change the party, present the opposition, defeat the Democratic majority, and take our great state back for normal families, normal people, average citizens like us. Thanks for joining me tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show. Common Ground is the name of the show. I am Bill Spadia. The website that I want you to go to tonight is Take Action 2023. That's 2023, the numbers. TakeAction2023.com. I want to thank my friends at Epic Financial. Rob Gill, a great partner with this podcast. We are coming at you live from our beautiful studios in downtown Red Bank in beautiful Monmouth County, New Jersey. Until next time, I will be back here 4.30 next Thursday. Until then, go to TakeAction2023.com and you can follow my schedule and all my shows and appearances at BillSpadia.com. Follow me on all my social media at BillSpadia and I will be here with you fighting like hell to take our state back. I'll see you next time.